My name is Luis Yataco. I'm excited to be here. An honor. I got invited, actually, by Jose. It seems like everybody's on vacation. I was going to wear a suit, but then I thought, you know, Reese loves to wear, like, the shirt, the cool shirt. So I got the Reese look this morning. <laughs> Probably can't can beat him, but, you know, try. You can always try, right? So very excited to be here. We've done a number of things with my family, my parents, and my sister are visiting uh, from Ohio. And so we're, we're doing a lot of different things. Can you put up our first slide, please? Uh, this morning, we're actually going to be talking about grace. And, uh, you know, we always talk about grace when we go to church and we talk about how God's love for us gives us new opportunities. And also, we have the ability to get to know uh, through Jesus the, the way to life. Amen? And so before, though, you can understand, can you put it up? Um, before you can understand grace, though, in a practical way, you have to take it back a little bit. And you have to understand rules, consequences, and then second chances. Who in here loves rules? Wow. I got like three hands up. Who in here loves to break rules? Wow. Okay, double the amount of hands. You know, rules are actually, if you talk about in a biblical sense, commands. And if you break the rules, that's sin. And so if you love to break rules, that means you love to sin. And that's why we're all here. Amen. But you're not alone. We're all in that, right? There's rules everywhere. And you can translate that in a number of different ways. There's commandments, regulations, laws, statutes. There's rules of conduct, ground rules, rules of thumb, Rules of conduct, and then the golden rule, and then there's unspoken rules. So who can keep up with all the kinds of rules? But rules really dictate the expected behavior, and it turns out that we really need a lot of rules. And, uh, and if you don't follow those rules, there's consequences. And because oftentimes we fall into those consequences, then we always need a second chance. Well, let me tell you about something that happened to me. Uh, when um, I went through a test. And so oftentimes when you have rules, there's always a test, right? But for that, I'm going to have to take you back to the 1990s, okay? I was a teenager. I was around 15-ish, and I was on my way to becoming really cool. I wanted to be the coolest dude in school. But, you know, in the 1990s, I meant you had to be bad, right? Kind of Michael Jackson bad, but not, not wearing the clothes, but, you know, you wanted to be bad. Um, and so there I am, and I am pulling off the driveway. I'm a teenager, okay, like about 15 and a half, 16, and I'm driving a Cadillac, a purple Cadillac, okay? It was a Cadillac Coupe de Ville, the town car, okay? And I'm in Las Vegas, Okay? Now, I did not steal the car, all right? I borrowed the car, all right? And so I figured nobody could really understand what, how that car looks like, so I brought you a picture, okay? So if you drove that car, you were cool, okay? That was the 90s, okay? Let's go back a little bit. Some people are here like, is that Uber? Is that how? No, no, no. You had to actually drive back then, okay? This is the time where you had a beeper and all that type of stuff. Okay, so there I am. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be really cool. And um, 
I'm actually pulling off the driveway of the DMV. I'm about to take my driver's test. Okay? And so, you know, when you're taking your driver's test, what do you got? Where your hands got to be? Both hands got to be on the wheel, right? You got to be looking over your shoulder, right? You got to be constantly checking your mirrors, right? And when you come to a stop, you got to come to a complete stop. So I took my test. You know, my dad was in the car. Actually, he was promoting, helping me out. And he, it was actually his car, his friend's car. And so there I am. I'm taking my driver's test in this huge car. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a teenager. I'm driving it. You know, big old steering wheel. I'm basically look over. You know, I'm kind of doing this, right? And um, I thought I aced it. I did everything right. So at the end of the test, I said, you know, I look over. It was a lady. And she goes, you know, actually, you failed the test. <laughs> what do you mean you failed the test? I failed the test. She said, actually, you failed early. <laughs> what do you mean? You go, well, there's three things that you can absolutely not do because these are automatic failures. I thought I did everything right. She goes, well, first of all, you can't break the law. That's an automatic fail. You can also not get a ticket. Because if you get a ticket, you fail. And also, you can't get into a crash. I said, well, which one did I do? They said, well, you did not come into a complete stop. I said, I, you know, I didn't believe her, and I still kind of don't. But, <laughs> you know, because when you drive the Cadillac, the Cadillac has these uh, great, um, you know, it feels like a cushion and, uh, and the great shocks. And so when I came to the stop, I just released the brake so that, you know, it was kind of like a cool low rider type of stop, right? <laughs> but, she said, but she said, no, you did not come to a complete stop. And I said, really? She goes, yeah, because when you come to a complete stop, your head has to go back like this. <laughs> I go, but that's not cool. Anyway, I failed the test. This lady was ruining my life. You know, I had plans. I had to get my driver's license. That's the first thing I had to deal with getting the car later. But, you know, I was going to go back to school. I had it all worked out. I was going to go back. I was going to be cool. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Genesis, okay? Genesis chapter 2. turns out that there are a lot of rules. And it turns out that even before creation, there were rules. And if you want to get into a little bit of that, Please go to Proverbs chapter 8. Now, right now, we're in Genesis chapter 2. We've got to stream uh, this along. But the idea is, is that God used all these natural laws to create the universe, the planets, and everything. And on the sixth day, he created man. You want to go on to the next? And the Bible says there, after he created man, gave, you know, everybody knows the story. Everything was put under man's submission. Okay. In verse 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Any tree, right? All of it. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. There was just one rule. You could eat from any tree. You could do anything you want. Adam, the first man, had everything. Just one rule. Just don't eat from that tree right there. There was a lot of other trees. But what happens 
when you have that one rule, and you think about it, you know, you have everything else. Let's go to the next slide. And then here comes the test. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the man, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? We skip to verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, because there was an interaction with the woman there. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, if you really think about it, the, the, the serpent never really told the woman or the man to eat the fruit. He just called into question why there was a rule and called into question the consequences. You know, and oftentimes when we come up with all these rules, commandments, God's will, all the things that we're supposed to do, we start questioning why. You do that even since you're sort of little. You start questioning why. Right? You start thinking maybe the rules apply for everyone else. They were written for everyone else, but not for me. You know, I'm different. I'm special. They don't apply to me. And so in this particular case, there's that one rule. And then there's that one test. And maybe you have some of that right now in your life. Right? Maybe you have some boundaries that you shouldn't be crossing. And maybe you have certain situations where you know what's right, but you know you want to do something different. Sometimes it has to do with maybe your weakness. Maybe a situation. Maybe in a relationship. Maybe at work. Maybe with money. Maybe with the law. In the Bible, there's about 141 verses that, where the Bible says you must not do this. And about 42 verses that say you shall not do this also. You know, God instituted creation, but he also wanted order. He had a greater plan, and it was not to be questioned. But here we come, and we start questioning. And then one simple rule, don't need that fruit. That even, even that small rule starts being questioned. Let's go on to the next slide. And then here we go. When the, women, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So they had everything except just that one rule, just don't touch that tree. And that's the, exactly the one thing that they did. You know, just like that driving test, that one thing, and you fail that test. You could have done a number of other things right, but that one thing I told you not to do, and that's exactly the one thing you decided to do. Let's go on to the uh, next slide. So then here comes the confrontation. Right, and here's how sometimes we react. God was looking for them, and then he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, 
and I ate it. You know, it's very interesting how when we're confronted with a situation, we immediately come up with excuses. You know, we love to blame other people. We love to blame circumstances. We, it wasn't me. You know, in this particular case, I bet you there was a silence in the Garden of Eden, right? Everybody's looking around, and then God's confronting man and woman for the first time for that one test and that one rule that they broke. And he said, what is it that you just did? And the, fur, and the way that they respond is, well, the woman you put here is the one that led me to this. You know, we try to explain away our behavior sometimes. We come up with ways to rationalize, and we love to put that on someone else. You know, we blame sometimes our circumstances. We blame sometimes even our parents. We blame our coworkers. We blame our boss. I remember I used to run into situations where, you know, even in school, even in high school, you say, well, the teacher gave me bad grade because the teacher doesn't like me. Uh, no, that's not right. But, you know, we always shine away. You know, we always want someone else to be responsible, and that's how we deal with it. Right? We, we, we're sort of the victim. Right? It was, it was done to us. We kind of fell into it. We're not perfect. Right? That's sort of we kind of try to come up with that. It was very simple. Just don't break that one rule. Just don't break that one command. There's always one command or something that we're always wrestling with. And you know that better than I. Right? It may not be something outward that people can see. It may be something inward that people can't see and that you're the only one that can see. And you and God know. And then when you follow that instinct, when you follow your sort of rebellious nature, our rebellious nature, we have problems. We have problems in our relationships. We have problems with the people around us in the situations, circumstances we get, all because we're constantly fighting. Here's the good thing that we're supposed to do, and here's the thing that we want to do, and here's the thing that we do. And we kind of explain it away. And then we go on to the next slide, and then here, here comes God's response. How would, how, how would God respond, right? After creating man, after creating everything and submitting everything to mankind, giving, every, giving man and woman everything and just giving them one rule, how would you respond? You know, if you have kids or if you have another situations in relationships where you're giving, 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 and you have this boundary, this one thing that hurts you, and that's the one thing that people do. How, how are you supposed to respond to something like that? So then in verse 17, it picks up to Adam. He said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded you not, you must not eat from it, curses the ground because of you. Great. Through painful toil, you will eat from food, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So first thing, you're going to have to work hard now. Consequence. Verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for thus you are, unto thus you will return. Second consequence, death, right? So here we are, the rule, the automatic fail, the consequences. And this is happening in the beginning of time with God and his creation, this relationship that's gone on for thousands and thousands of years, even up to our time, we're still struggling with the same thing. But here's, here's what really gets to me, the scriptures that come. The next slide, please. Here's what really gets to me. 
And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Why did God do all that? You know, he had already caught him in the act. Mankind already had been judged. But then, why did he go that next step? When I think about it, I go, wow, he had lost trust. Because he knew that they had already broken that one rule. That there's probably the probability that they're going to go do it again. So God had to take man out of the Garden of Eden, kick him out, banish him. And then he had to make sure he didn't come back. He had to set up an angel and a flaming sword. Why would he have to do all that? Is it because he knew that we would be going right at it again? And that's in our nature, right? And when I think about this scripture, I go, wow, from the beginning of time, there's this wrestling of a relationship that's being trying to be established with trust, with gifts, with offerings, with love, with care, with, with everything that we could ever want. And here we are, right, taking it that step, being rebellious, breaking it, fall, not following the rules. And then follow, having to then now follow the consequences and then now be kicked out. You know, I think about the situation. It must have been very serious. Right? Because the angels were there. God was there. Creation was there. And creation is witnessing that this is happening at that moment in time. Right? If you think about all the other animals that were like, probably, whoa, this is serious stuff. You know, man was, God was so pleased. Right? A work of art. And from that moment, then he goes, wow, to a disappointment. And having to punish, having to punish, and then having to lose trust. And so, what happens to mankind after that? You know, you look through the Bible, and there's Bible heroes that come and go as you read through, and you go through the heroes that also have been blessed by God, but then also they fall, right? We talked about in, in, in other times about Moses, we talked about pro prophets like Jonah. We talked about David. We've talked about so many heroes that, you know, you looked up to them and then they fall. And then God has to wrestle with what to do after that. You know, I have a box of uh, baseball cards that I collected when I was a teenager. I have a big box. And I had a whole bunch of rookie cards. And I thought, you know, one day I'm going to be rich because they're going to be worth a lot of money. And it turns out, that a lot of those people cannot go in the Hall of Fame anymore because they got caught breaking that one rule. No doping, no cheating. You can't be great if you cheat. And so all those baseball cards that I have now, they're worthless. But a disappointment, for me at least, 
But in the context of the scriptures, what do we do now? Right? What's next? Let's go down to the next slide. We now we go all the way now to Romans. And as we talked through the communion, we talked about Jesus. And we talked about having a second chance. Right? And now because Jesus comes, God decides to give mankind a second chance over and over and over again. In your life, you've been given a second chance over and over again. Every day of your life is a second chance. Right? For you to dust off and to start off fresh. To be in a relationship with God where you can have a future and a vision. Right? You don't have to be like me when I was young, trying to be cool, trying to have everybody like me. Trying to have a good reputation, a name for myself. Trying to just fulfill whatever everybody else wanted. Just worry about what God wants from you. Right? And he has a vision and a plan that's perfect for every one of you. And he created that, and he came up with that because when Jesus came, he gave us that new opportunity. In chapter 5 in Romans, Paul's writing to the Romans a letter to make sure that they understand what's happening. To them, they make sure that they understand what God's plan is. And it says, For by the trespass of the one man, the one that we read, Adam, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation, that one thing that Adam did just kind of messed it up for everybody, right? For all the people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And that one righteous act is Jesus Christ, right, on the cross. Let's go to the, the next scripture. Um, and then in, in verse 6, it, uh, chapter 6, it says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You know, we've given a, a second chance through Jesus. And the ability for you to be able to understand that is to walk with Jesus, to walk with God and follow the scriptures and have the ability to really understand grace from understanding all the rules that you've broken over your life, that all the rules that you didn't follow, all the tests that you failed, and to also understand that, you know, God has a great vision for your life moving forward. You know, this came true in my life in many, many different ways. You know, my family, um, my parents, when they started, they, when they began their marriage, it was, it was not the right way. And it didn't finish the right way. They got divorced when I was a teenager. That's why I was in Las Vegas. You know, I was spending time with my dad. My mom and my dad had separated, so that was my summer there uh, with him. We had a lot of rules in my mom's house. Not so many in my dad's house. That's what, you know. He was okay with me getting that driver's license. But, you know, through that, our family was broken. Right? Because there were some guidelines and some rules that were not followed. And we were living the consequences. And if you talk about through in your childhood and how you were raised, all that has affected you. Has affected the way you look at life. Has affected your emotions. Has affected a whole bunch of things that you need to let go and, and let God work in your life. But then after uh, I became a Christian, actually my mom became a Christian first. She, was, she also remarried. That second marriage also didn't work out. But God has a, had a greater plan. My dad became a Christian also. And after eight years of being divorced, guess what? 
they got married in the church. I was at that wedding. And my sister was too. That's the ability to start over. Right? To have that new opportunity. Now they have two wedding anniversaries, actually. <laughs> but think about your life. Think about the plans God has for your life. Think about your rebellious nature and how you're always trying to go up against the rules. Just submit. And let God work in your life. Maybe you have some situations that you're struggling with in your life. Maybe you need some encouragement. You know, just take heart that Christ and God is there for you to take you through that next step, that next phase in your life. You know, there's a lot of celebrations in store for you in your life. As God just wants to bless you, you just got to let him. Let's pray. Amen. Father, thank you so much for all the opportunities that you've given us throughout our lives, ever since we were teenagers and young. You know, through all the different phases that we've gone through and all the different ways that we've looked at our life and all the different rules and commands and things that we've struggled with, all the things that you wanted us to do, all the things that you didn't want us to do. But through all that, you've been faithful, and we're grateful. We're grateful that today is a new day. We're grateful that tomorrow will be another new day and that you have a vision for us in spite of all that we've done that you want to trust us, that you give us your son. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the life that we can have with you. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.